Okay. About to begin our eighth class. We're just waiting for the uh, sound team to give us the full go ahead. Any moment. Akshav, we begin. Wow. The eighth class. I'm not used to seeing here. This is a new thing. The Derech Hadash. We're Mila Minateva. We're going into the, a new realm when you get to eight. Now, not only do you get the music, but we have even uh, the MC gets to sit next to the Rav, big schus I have. So thank you for joining us in our Muna class QA with Rav Shalom Arush, Lita, and Boch Hashem. We have Rav Dain Elgrad to translate so wonderfully. And we have a special, special guest, Anata Malul. And together we're going to have a very exciting eighth class. This is our first time together um, with Anata Malul in English. You're going to try? He's going to try. The most thing, is, as a very famous rabbi once said to me, the most important thing is the soul understands and the shama. So through the music, we'll be able to communicate to everybody. And this is our hope today. So we're going to start off like we always like to do is say thank you for all the appreciated feedback and questions that you guys are answering. Thank you so much. That's where I need to look. Thank you. So I want to say I'm so blessed for having this opportunity for listening to these teachings of Amuna. It's beautiful gift. Curator, you have given to us. It's really paradise and earth. It's like Gan Eden. Wow, I'm so blessed. Thank you, Hashem, for Rabbi Shalom Arush, for eyes opening, opening my eyes to the Creator. Blessed be Him. More abundantly, I was lost before. Now my Creator has found me. I can't stop listening to Muna classes, and I know it's Hashem, and I love Hashem so much. I feel joy inside of me. I'm listening to these teachings, and it's changing my life. What a beautiful feedback we have to start off our eighth class, and we all say our main to these beautiful words. Now we're going to go to straight away to our first question, but let's see. Maybe we'll have a niggin first before we get to the questions. Let's have a song, please. <laughs> With the help of Hashem, this nigun is from Tehillim. It's actually from the, from, from the Shabbos prayers. Bless us in your mitzvahs and your commandments. Give us our share in the Holy Torah. And make us feel full from all the goodness that you get and your salvation. And the most important thing is make our hearts really pure so that we can worship you the way we should. Thank you. 
We have thankfully posted his music on our sites and we continue to share. He has three beautiful albums and a YouTube. We'll talk more about it as we go along. But this class today, Muna class, is about Muna soul and the Nishama. We want to feel more and more the Nishama so we can feel more inspired in our daily life. And we'd like to thank you again for asking questions. So we go to Rav Elgrad, our Dayan, and our beautiful translator to go ahead with our first question. Thank you, Emilio. Well, the first question actually is very relevant to Rebel Not on Singing. And I want to say on a personal note that we love his albums in my house. We listen to them all the time. Today, we were listening to his third <laughs> album through the whole day. Me and my kids, we know all of his songs by heart. It's beautiful and unbelievable. But I'd like to go to the question. The question is, Rabbeinu speaks a lot about a menagen kasher. What does that mean? Rabbeinu medaber arbe'al menagen kasher. Ma mashma'ut shel menagen kasher? The Morris speaks about a kosher musician. 
הגמרא מעידה על אלישע בן אבויה שהוא היה התן הקדוש. הגמרא מתארת על אלישע בן אבויה שהוא היה התן הקדוש. אפשר להגיד איפה הוא ירד, איפה הוא ירד. והגמרא אומרת, שזה ואני לא פוסק בפומה. אז רבנו כותב שאדם שומע נגינה מגן כשר, אז זה טוב לעבודת הבורא. So Rabbeinu, Rabbi Nachman of Restav says that when a person hears music from a kosher, a kosher musician, it is good for his whole avoidance Hashem. It uplifts him in the way he works and worships Hashem. והפוך מזה, זה יכול להרים כמה גמרות וכמה... איך היה... והיה כנגן המלגן ותהיה על הברוכה השם, כתוב על... And vice versa. The Gomorrah says that when it comes to Shaul HaMelech and King David, when King David used to play for Shaul HaMelech, that when he played, the spirit of Hashem rested upon him. A man can have Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, if he hears music from a kosher musician, And he can fall from complete heritism if he hears music from a non-kosher, an evil musician, just like Elisha ben Avuya. And what does it mean to be a kosher musician, according to Rabbi? When he sings, he sings to Hashem. He sings in honor of Hashem. Singing is in a way of saying, giving, one can bring people closer to Hashem, closer to you through the power of music. Mashiach will amend the whole world through the power of what? Through the power of music, through the nigun. He will play such music, such tunes, that everyone will run after Hashem when they hear Him. Mashiach is going to be an unbelievable musician. He will play a violin that has in it 72 strings. There's nowhere yet that is open to teach us how to play <laughs> such an instrument. <laughs> Mashiach is obviously going to open the school to teach how to play a violin with 72 strings.
כן, כן, היו. So we want to thank again the opportunity to share such real words with everybody and not only that, that all of you guys are able to join with us because without our weekly class we wouldn't have this fundamental connection with Rav Orish himself and the Rav and Diane and we shouldn't lose a lose focus on how amazing this is that we can actually be in person and together because unfortunately during the corona challenge we as a program can't visit right now your neighborhoods we wanted to come to africa we wanted to go to america we want to go to england and maybe even other places i was just with some boys from australia we want to visit all these places with the rav so now we can do it thank god through corona because then hashem made it a good thing in a way that we're able to now do this as the rav was saying before we started through the studio and we want to give a big appreciation to our studio team and to the fact that we built a studio together that we could host the rav and the ravs agreed and next week we're going to actually try just a one-off wednesday class just because of the vacation time we still want to have maybe one or two days from and it's a big of course a top to the rav for this and now we'd like to go to our next questions because we really do appreciate you reaching out and sending uh, sending the questions and i think it's connected in with the music and mashiach so please can the rav uh, go ahead Thank you. The next question is also related to music. Thank you very much for this beautiful concept of having a musician on every single show. It's incredible. Thanks a lot. Why is music so important in Breslov? Why are there so many incredible musicians among Breslov Hasidi? <laughs> Rabbi Nachman of Breslov said that it is a big mitzvah to always be happy. Rabbeinu says that one of the best advices to be happy is to always play music, happy music. When you play a tune that you can connect to, it brings you happiness. Because the tune is even higher and more elevated than the thought. There are acts. Above that, there's speech. Above that, there are thoughts. And above that, we have the tunes, we have the music. Therefore, the word in Hebrew, Besimcha, are the same letters that combine the word Bemachshava, Machshava, thought. Thought and happiness are the same letters. The cure to all the negative thoughts that we have, thoughts of despair, thoughts of sadness, thoughts of anxieties, thoughts of depression, all the no, all the non-good thoughts, the negative thoughts. The tune, the music purifies a man's thought and can bring him towards happiness. So therefore, tunes, music, has got a very important place in working and worshiping Hashem. 
אדם ששר ומנגן, אז למעשה זה, זה סוג של התבודדות. So since we had such a chizuk in music, we'd like to have another song, Od, Od Nigun, from Mashu Chazak. We want happy. We're going to have now a happy Nigun. Happy. We're coming closer to Rosh Hashanah. So this is something that's connected to the Holy Rabbi Nachman of Wrestler. This is a nigun that was written by the Lubavitch Rebbe the Tzemach Tzedek. We're now going to connect between Chabad and between Breslau. I'd just like to explain what the words that Rebel Nossam was singing. He was saying, Bebreslev Boeresh, in Breslev, a fire is burning. That's what Rabbi Nathan used to say when he used to go out to the woods and scream and shout to Hashem, there's a fire burning in Breslev, light it up, ignite it in my heart. And then he also brought the words that Rabbi Nathan of Breslev brings in the Kote Moharan, in Torah 112, that if you believe that you can ruin something, believe that you can also make it amend. So we're going to just now thank you all again because it's so unbelievable what the Rabbani asks on a daily level. She wants you to connect with the Rav. This is an opportunity. 
So everyone should be sending questions like we have. Thank God a nice list. But you also have a link inside every post we make where you can actually connect and get a blessing from the Rav and be partner with the Rav and all his amazing Moses Sim, all his organizations, institutes that are helping so many people. And you can also join us together, partner on all our sites with our beautiful uh, website with the, all the books, the Swaram and Imuna gifts that we've been developing more and more. We just put out in our 10 best selling list of last month and we're constantly updating everything and all your feedback towards our sites is appreciated. We definitely, like we spoke, we have what to fix. So thank God it's always a development as we all know here, sitting here. And we also want to thank again, all the staff who work in the whole of Chutzel Chesed and Brez of Israel, who are constantly working to edit all our videos. This video itself, you know, personally, I'm going to be up till three, four in the morning, making sure it goes out the right way. It should be the right length and everything should go smoothly. And that's how much the staff here, I'm sure they're also working around the clock to make sure everything is the best that we can do. And we want to again ask another question from one of our listeners, if the Rav could read. And again, thank you for sending them in. The Rav spoke about Mashiach. So I'd like to ask a question here that someone asked. How will we be able to recognize the Mashiach? What will be his main sign? אז באמת, אחד הגיע לרב חיים, כן הפסיק, אמר לו שהוא משיע. because Rav Chaim Kanievsky knows the whole Shas by heart. And there are many places in the Gemara where it says Teiku, which means that when Mashiach comes, he will answer the questions. So Reb Chaim was delighted. Here, Mashiach is here. He can now ask him all the questions and get all the answers. The Gemara has not yet answered. <laughs> so, of course, the guy that came to Reb Chaim Kanievsky realized that he is a big idiot and he can't answer these questions. <laughs> And truly, I was very happy when I heard this story. Because a lot of times you have people who are not 100% okay, who claim that they're Mashiach. And I'd like to help them, to help them get out of their nonsense. So now I have a wonderful method. Everyone, someone like that comes. Everyone, every time someone like that comes to me, I'll ask him to at least answer me all the taquim that appear in tractate Baba Mitzvah. Rabbi Nachman of Breslev told us a story about Mashiach. The story is called the seven betlers, the seven poor people. One of the seventh person, the seventh person there, 
is the pauper without hands. And Rabbi Nachman Breslov told us that that story will only be told by Mashiach himself. So if someone says his Mashiach, we'll ask him a simple question. Oh, wonderful. Please tell us a story of the pauper without any hands. <laughs> and if he won't know what we're speaking about, <laughs> so we'll tell him then you better know that you're not Mashiach. <laughs> I just now remember the joke. <laughs> Three crazy people. <laughs> one says to the other, I'm Mashiach. The second one says, I'm Mashiach. And the third one is silent. He says nothing. So someone standing at the side said, well, he's obviously normal. He's not saying anything, is he? So he asked the third person, he said, why aren't you interfering in their conversation? Why aren't you saying anything? <laughs> he said to them, because I'm God. <laughs> and he's not Mashiach, and he's not Mashiach. May Hashem always give us a healthy mind. Amen. Amen. So we want to thank again. El Nata Malu, because we know he's not Mashiach, but he is a very good Menage and someone who's Samechas and preparing us. So we already, we already gave a few signs. First of all, Mashiach is going to play a violin with 72 strings. The second thing, he will know how to answer every single unanswered question in the Gemara. And the third thing, he will complete the last tale of Rabbi Nachman talking about the pauper without any hands. Don't worry. If a person is not Mashiach, will immediately know that he's not Mashiach. It also says that Mashiach, through the power of his speech, his mouth, will be able to kill the evil people. True, Mashiach does not want to kill anyone. He wants to make them repent to do truth. <laughs> someone who's so evil that does not want to repent and is disturbing Mashiach to do what he's supposed to do to amend the world, Mashiach will kill him with a mere word. No, no, no. Don't worry. <laughs> so, as a famous person once said, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> so I, I also have a story of of the Mashiach. Um, when I first did tshuva, um, I was at home and I was philosophizing, and my mother said, "Stop being such a philosopher." So I said, "Okay, okay." So I went to Eretz Yisrael, and I said, "You know, maybe I'm not a philosopher. Maybe I'm a Mashiach. You know, come to Eretz Yisrael, Jerusalem. Suddenly, it's the year 2000. In those days, everyone thought the Messiah was coming. Mashiach, Mashiach." I told my mother, I said, but I found out I'm a Kohen and Kohenim can't be Mashiach. 
So she said to me, it's okay, I know what you are, you're Meshuggah. That's what she said. <laughs> so I had to accept, end up with being Meshuggah. So, Baruch Hashem, Meshuggah for Mashiach. We'll have a niggin from Anatan, but before we do, I just want to say publicly, I had the merit, he helped me with, have the merit to share some of his beautiful videos, his lyric videos on his YouTube channel. You go to El Nota Malul, it's very easy to spell it, we put it underneath. And we have there his beautiful Nagudim and his videos, his lyric videos, it gives a lot of inspiration. And also on, we please God, we have the Spotify link as well for three beautiful albums that Ravel God was mentioning that he loves so that you can listen to them for free on yes, Spotify. Yes, you, can, you can purchase the Diskim <laughs> from our breslov.co.il site. Breslev.co.il, you go there and you can purchase his Diskim online from us. We'll send them to you, ship them to you. Miad, and um, we also even know we're in Corona, but we can still have book him as well. You can mm -hmm. host him, have him play at your events, like all the musicians who've come here. You can contact us and we can arrange that he should be able to perform for you either through Zoom or even in person if you keep all the chukim, all the rules. And we just want to now ask him again to sing another song. Please God, just to get us in the mood for Elo and for the new Zman we're about mm -hmm. to enter. Please God. Uh, we spoke about Mashiach. אז שמעתי שאחד הצדיקים אמר שכשמשיח ילמד את עם ישראל להגיד תודה. I heard that one of the great tzaddikim said that Mashiach will teach עם ישראל how to say thank you. ואחד הצדיקים הנסתרים שמעתי ככה שהוא אמר שכשמשיח יבוא הוא יחזיק ביד את הספר של הרב ותודה של הרב. And one of the secret tzaddikim I heard that he said that when Mashiach comes he will hold in his hand the book that the Rav wrote, the, God, the gates of gratitude. וכל הספר הזה בעצם בעיקרו בנוי על המילים הנפלאות של רבי נתן, שהרב היה חוזר אליהם בשיעורים בלי סוף. כי באמת, אם היו הכל שומעים, לכל צדיקי אמת, תמיד לשבח ולומר תודה להשם, על הטוב ועל הרע. בוודאי היו מתבטלים, כל הצרות וכל הגלויות, וכבר הייתה גאולה שלמה. זה משיח. אמן. בוודאי היו מתבטלים, כל הצרות וכל הגלויות, כבר הייתה גאולה שלמה. Thank you. 
So good news, we have the ability now to see the live feed on the YouTube and someone asked Masha hi hi ya. They want to hear the sniggum. Ah, wait, 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 wait a minute before we get there. What was was so we want to we will play that song soon. Please God, thank you for reaching out and putting that there. They really love that song and they especially love it when Ravorish himself sings it. And that's one of our most popular YouTube videos and Facebook videos and everywhere else. So Hashem to get everyone uh, enlivened. They say there is a connection between Purim when that was sang on the video to Elul. That's a very deep idea, but there's a there's a Kesha between the two Chadoshim, the idea of Tshuva Bahava, Tshuva Bayira. But we should return to Hashem either way, and we'll listen to another question from the Rav, and then we'll get to a, the Nigan. Please go on. Well, we've been speaking about Elul. We've been speaking about Rabbeinu. We've been speaking about Rosh Hashanah. So I'd like to bring a question that someone asked about Rosh Hashanah. I have been going for many years to Uman for Rosh Hashanah. But this year, because of the coronavirus, I'm afraid, I'm scared, I'm thinking of not going. Why is it so important to go even this year to Rosh Hashanah to Uman? Really, that's a very important question. And I'd also, while I answer this question, I'd like to answer, I'd like to answer other questions that are related to this. The women say, why does my husband have to go to Uman? Let him stay. Let him stay with me, his wife. There are many questions related to this issue, and that's because people don't understand what is Rosh Hashanah. People think, well, they say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu judges everyone on Rosh Hashanah. But you know, okay, doesn't exactly mean it. Ay, ay, ay. 
צריכים לדעת, הקדוש ברוך הוא לא בטרן, ככה כתוב בגמרא הקדושה. People need to know HaKadosh Baruch Hu will not let you go unnecessarily. If a person doesn't do tshuva, if a person doesn't repent, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will not let him get off. This is not just a phrase. Everyone really and truly goes through trial on Rosh Hashanah determining what he did in the previous year and what's going to happen to him in the coming year. One of the great secret tzaddikim known as the Chalban, the milkman, Rosh Yeshivas used to come to him and say to him, why are you telling our students to go to Uman on Rosh Hashanah? <laughs> and he used to say to them, to those Rosh Yeshivas, can you fix that student? Rabbi Nachman of Breslev can fix that student. We have here a lawyer, an attorney. He gave a 100% guarantee that anyone that comes to him on Rosh Hashanah will be acquitted him, his wife, his children. He will have a sweet year. Now really and truly, if a person has a trial, and every single time he went on trial, he took the best lawyer he could, and he came out. And this year he says, well, there's coronavirus. So I'm not going to take the best lawyer. I'm willing to be in jail. People don't understand what Rosh Hashanah is. It's not just that you will have a good sweet year. Every single one that comes to Rosh Hashanah on Uman, when Mashiach Tzidkenu will reveal himself, he will go up to him and say to him, Thank you for you going to Rosh Hashanah, to going to Uman, and bringing the Geula, the redemption, closer. It was through your actions. If a person knew what Rosh Hashanah is, he'd have no questions whatsoever. People ask me what, I'm going to go for Rosh Hashanah, and then when I come back, I'm going to have to go for two weeks into isolation. And I say to him, listen, if I now gave you a billion dollars, and after that you've got to sit in isolation for 14 days, what would you say? You'd say you're willing to sit in isolation for a year. Not just two weeks. Now, 
ממש כל... היינו היהודים שנמצאים בחוץ לארץ, שכולם יישאו לאומן השנה. אני מרגיש שזהו, זה ראש השנה, אהרון, או שמה שכבר התגלה שם באומן, אהההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההה
שזה כתבתי את הספרים ב- 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 לא, בש- לא בלשון תורנית. בלשון שמתאימה לכולם. וצריכים לדעת, האמונה שייכת לכל העולם אותו דבר. המצווה הראשונה של כולם, גם בני נוח, גם כולם, זה מצוות האמונה. ובאמונה כל העולם שווים במצווה הזאת. כל אחד הוא נברא של בורא עולם. בורא עולם. רואה אותו, שומע אותו, אוהב אותו, מחכה שידבר איתו. אז השיעור הזה מיועד גם למי שלא יהודי. ואנו נשמח מאוד לקבל שאלות בפייסבוק, ומהם אנחנו נענה להם. And we'll be delighted to get questions from you on the Facebook, on our other platforms, and we'll answer your questions. I have great joy from this. That is my ideal, my purpose in this world, how to bring Emunah, faith, to the whole world. That's why many times when I traveled abroad, I had Shiurim classes specifically for non-Jewish people. הרבה גויים באים אליי. אנחנו, הספרים הם מיועדים לכולם אותו דבר. Baruch Hashem. So we thank the Rav for sharing such a universal message that we believe will help prepare us all for the new year and for Mashiach, please God. And we'd like to sing a song that for me and from all our listeners, I believe, whoever reached out now and everyone has loved this niggin that we're going to sing now. That, and maybe we'll explain it at some point as well, Bimazbev, what were the niggin, what it means together. <laughs> what was, was, what happened, happened. The most important thing is to start again in you.
We're so blessed to be here and we're looking forward to our ninth class in the new week. Please God, and we have another one. Please God for Elo. We'll be in Elo. It'll be Rosh Chodesh. Special times coming Shabbat, up. Shabbat, 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 Shabbat. Next Yom week, Rabbi. the share, the class is on Wednesday, not on Tuesday. But at the okay, same Wednesday, time. Same time. Just try to change a little bit. We've covered the Rosh Chodesh Elo. And Mitzvah Hashem will be able to have a beautiful new Zman, a beautiful Shabbos. And please God, it should be only with good news. And we're looking forward to have our Natan again playing for us in the new year for Sameach, all the Jewish people together. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you, Hashem. That's it. This is our friend, Joey. Uh, yeah? Remember his name. I'm pressing my phone. Um, so Joey said, "I." By the way, it doesn't mind anyone's doing any pictures. So I'm going to give you guys my camera. It's a good camera. Don't break it. And there's um, flash option. It's on. It's good. You can take a picture if you want. A video. You know how to use this. It's a, it was a present of a friend. This phone. And, uh, so uh, someone here wants to do a picture. We can. Share it with Yoni, with Nissim, with whoever you want. Awesome. So our guy, our, our good man here, Joey, asked a question. Awesome Ech. Awesome Ech was our first first program and that I went to in London called the JLE. Yeah. Now, I was getting spiritual in Spa and I went to Asia a little bit. I went to Awesome Ech in in New Shalayim. But the first place I ever really learned out was JLE. And what drew me to Osamech was a very special rabbi when I came to Israel called Rabbi Bulman. He was just like really spiritual and was able to talk to your soul. And that's what I was looking for, someone who could talk to me. And I ended up very close to a rabbi there called Rabbi Samet, who's still around. So have you heard of Samet? Really special rabbi, not so well known, but should be. A special holy person. And he, um, I still speak to him till this day, thank God. He was under my chuppah, and so awesome man was really good. I was not such a yeshivish a guy, as you can see. Like I went a bit more Hasidish, um, you know, into more like Hasidish stuff, and you know that gave me the opportunity, though, having that foundation in awesome and learning and Gemara and getting that foundation of yeshiva and having respect for for Torah and for Rabbonim, which when I joined that together with Hasidus. For me, that was like the ideal. Like I'm very much into Rosodik Svarim and Bresov Svarim and Chabad Svarim, and you know, like very deep. You know, there's a famous Rebbe called Label Eger, who was originally from also a Litvish home, and he went from Rabbi Kiva Eger's Mishpocha of Litvaks, the Yeshivish family, Litvaks, but they were Yeshivish family, from learning into into Chassidus, and that really like that safer really speaks to me as something I learned on Shabbos and. It's really a lot to do with Ahavna, like loving Hashem. And that was my big question when I was in Yeshiva. And they were like, you know, learn Gemara, learn Gemara. I was like, where's the love, guys? You know, where, to the rabbis. Because, like, you've got to give me some more love. Because, you know, like, I'm more of a hippie Neshama. And, like, 
you know, I, I need to feel the love, you know. And so when I made this album, United Souls, one of the songs is Just Love Them. It's a guy called Joey Newcomb. You heard of Joey Newcomb? He put out a song, uh, Joey Newcomb has a bunch of famous songs like Thank You, Hashem, and Na 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 Na, Thank You, Hashem, Da Na Na Na. So we got one of his songs, for the, and it's all just about love. So that's, that's the kind of vibe, like, that I was, you know, I was looking for a soulmate, I was looking to connect to God, I was looking for Mish- the Messiah, the Messiah, the Messiah, Messiah. I wasn't looking just to become a London and know how to learn Gemara and get intellectual stimulation. But it's important. What I was always told by all my teachers that in order to understand spiritual parts of Judaism, you're going to have to know Halacha and Gemara, and that's why I've always made an effort till now to always learn those parts of Torah, which are more like you know seemingly uh, revealed and more obvious, even though they're also very deep and spiritual, but on a simple level, they're more obvious. So that Osamech was very good for me in that way. You know, I know. Appreciate it. Huh? Yeah, Build some songs. So this is a song I wrote in um, Osamech. And I was learning at that time on the side with the breast of Rabbi Dan. Actually, two minutes from where I live now, funny enough. You know, things come full circle. And, and he was also about you, a hippie dude. And... He, said, he was the one who told me, he said, make sure no matter what, he said, I'm not going to learn with you any of this breast love spiritual stuff unless you've learned the Gemara and Halakha and you're keeping up with that. And that was his rule. So I tried to do that. But one of the things that impressed me after we finished prayer service with them, they used to dance around, you know. I don't know what's going on with Corona right now, but we used to dance around after Mincha and all that. So that dancing around was like, wow, that's really cool. Like, you know, you finish praying to God and then you dance together like every single day. And I was really impressed by that. So I wrote a song about how important joy is. And at the same time, I was feeling really sad. I don't know if you guys get that sometimes, but I was feeling, I was maybe I was a bit alone because of my family went here and friends I grew up with. They did come visit, but it was like, you know, and then at the same time, I was like trans- transitioning into a whole different lifestyle. And so I wrote this song like with that sort of broken heart, at the same time yearning for joy. And I played this song at my wedding and you can Google it. If you Google Midnight Rabbi Wedding, you'll see the song will be formed by a 21-year-old version of me on the Midnight Rabbi's Wedding. Simcha. The song's called Simcha. We are a people of a kind. We'll do find our truest side. This place of holy paradise, this is our home. You shall I will sing to all our children crying. Every time we sing, every time we dance, every time we sing, every time we clap our to see. 
By the time we got to Waterbury, we've yeah. been over the Pacific twice, uh, Pacific or the Atlantic. Atlantic twice, and we went back another time over the Atlantic before the end of the week to make it for a Brit in Jerusalem for Purim. So that's three times over the Atlantic in one week, and that was on the second part. And Nissen just found out his wife had a baby. She was like in labour and having a baby, and we had to give this whole big thing to all these Waterbury boys. There were a few hundred. It wasn't a small place. And this and spoke his story, and then we went into the place and did a gig. Now, I was the DJ, yeah? This is the funny thing, they made me the DJ. So I was DJing, not only was the manager, but I was also DJing. And I was DJing this gig, and the stage was made in such a crappy way that everything was moving around. So the computer was like flying around. I was trying to hold it, and this was something. All these boys came on the stage, Waterbury boys, started doing their thing, you know, dancing on the stage. And the, I was like trying to DJ this event. So accidentally I pressed, like uh, Yoni Z had used our computer one time. You heard of Yoni Z? He's like a singer like in the Jewish world. He used our computer, so he'd set up a song, a Shweki song, to do at an event that we did, yeah? And it came up, I don't know why it was set, but it came up and I pressed, it kept pressed on by all the moving around by accident, and suddenly a Shweki song comes on in the middle of a Nissim concert, yeah? Uh, and now guess what the song was? The whole song. The whole song about I believe in Nissim, yeah? So everyone thought it was meant to be, because it was Nissim, I believe in Nissim, yeah? So everyone in the whole place was singing, I believe in Nissim. And they all thought it was like, and Nissim turned around and he gave me one of these looks, like, you know, he's going to like beat me up afterwards. And like, he only gave it to me, like, you know, because we were that close. He's not that kind of guy generally, but like, that was like, what have you done, Ali? And then I said, I look, look, I go like this, look, they're all like going. And he's like, yeah, and he started. They didn't see him. They thought it was part of the thing. And he's like, you know, as a professional musician he is, he just goes through it and like sings the whole thing and does the whole thing. And then like. How did he, he, like, how did he know the lyrics to that song? Oh, he knows. He knows. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. that's impressive. 
So it was, it was just like a fun moment, like for the Waterbury boys. So they, they, they were great. They were going nuts. Huh? They used to come to all the events whenever we did anything in New York. They were amazing. And in Oman as well, a lot of them came there to Oman as well. They're always cool guys. And, uh, we, I don't know what's going to be of Oman this year, but Nisim and Oman. I, d- I've, I did a, sh- I did a, a viewage of Nisim and Oman. If you guys, I could put it on. Like it's pretty powerful. It's my video. Oh, just going to put it on airplane. So it's my video on here. And uh, get out of here. Mother land. It's a problem when I leave it on. Mother land bounce. Yeah, so this is my, my video I made at Nissim. I was just standing as part of the whole thing. First time he ever played this song, and everyone was like, What is this? Uman Rosh Hashanah, like, it's the holiest night of the year, like, just before Rosh Hashanah. It's called Zerka Bris and Breslov. They pray all night. And Nissim gets up and does, like, a proper hip hop, like, you know, black, you know, like, motherland, bounce, man, like. And the whole crowd, and it's like, what is going on? And Uman Rosh Hashanah, like it was crazy. Listen, to this, this is like a real like hip hop. You can feel it, yeah. So for me, like, people were like, you know, how can you be involved? Like, this is not Uman Rosh Hashanah. But for me, it's like, this is Judaism. For me, is not about limiting it. Like, I believe the path of Judaism is very big. If you guys have talents and skills and have what to bring into your game. Like bring it into Judaism. Like don't don't feel you have to go off Judaism to be able to express yourself and use your talents. Like it's it's there's not like two worlds. There's only one world. There's only Hashem. It's one world. That's what I sang just before. Yeah, it's all one thing. So when you tune into that oneness, so then everything, all your talents, everything can have the ability to be elevated. So for me, even though this is like a controversial moment that he sang such a song in Uman, but like it was for me at the same time, it was like a very like powerful moment. Like wow, like hip hop can be also like kosher can also be elevated and you know and everyone was like you know thousands of people in this place there was thousands in this place were like singing for a sham but like like in a rude boy style it was like interesting you know so that's 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 the that's the thing so that was a good question about Osameh and you asked about waterbury boys but what's next anyone else got anything so I never really jumped into the mainstream world so much. Nissim is starting to, like he's been encouraged. Oh, my family—they're all in that world. Yeah, nobody, nobody in my family yet is. Like who specifically do they work with? That's like quite in the mainstream. Well, everybody. Yeah. Wiley, no. <laughs> so Wiley, I'm, Wiley, I'm actually speaking to a guy in England called Chucky next week. Chucky's like boys of Wiley, and they want to have a chat with someone who. Uh, who's Jewish and in Jerusalem. So I send them some people to talk to and Chucky's like, no, I want to talk to you, man. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not usually the, that's why I don't usually perform, I don't usually speak. I have people pay me to bring people to bring to speak. I'm not usually the speaker dude. I'm like behind the scenes. But, you know, here and there, Shem's pushing me forward here and there. So Chucky guys, no, no, I want you to come speak. So I'm like, all right, fine. So I'm going to speak to this Chucky dude next week about Wiley. But, um, that's crazy. But uh, yeah, that's a crazy story. But the point, come back with saying, so generally I stay out of the mainstream story. I'm, I'm a little bit starting to call out some people out there a little bit, just because I feel like the world's losing its mind. And if you don't call out a little bit, like you're, you're sort of not being responsible. You know, like I, I'm, I am a, a bit of a fan of Ben Shapiro, if you know who he yeah. is. Um, even though he's, he just made a really funny tweet, like it went nuts the last few days. Um, 
But then, uh, you know, I'm also a big fan yeah. of some of the podcasts yeah. out there. I don't know if you know a guy, Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan. I don't know Joe Rogan, but he's yeah. someone I'm starting to listen to more and more, especially now he has Ben Shapiro on. Um, and I was just like, yeah, you know, having that real talk with someone, like he says himself, like people feel like when they're listening to me, they're having a chat. Like, and that's something which, you know, growing up with boys and having people to chat to, living in Israel and the intensity of lifestyle here and everyone's very into davening and learning and or they're working or they're hustling or whatever they're doing over here. So then people are like, you don't get much time to actually chill and talk, you know? So like, um, you guys are doing me a little bit of a toe just so I can just talk. But like the mainstream world is there and I am still connected. You know, like I said, my family are still in that business. And when I go back, I usually meet with people and stuff. And I've spoken to mainstream management about getting some advice. And I've, I've Nissim's definitely trying to go mainstream. He he has now a manager who, he his official manager now is a person who's worked with Natalie Portman and you know and as a manager for her as agent agency for her modelling and stuff and you know other such names and Snoop Dogg and stuff like that. So you know that that's the kind of person now Nissim's like connected with in America. So he's a younger guy, up and coming guy. So. He's a music lawyer, so we're gonna we're gonna slowly, you know, check out the mainstream scene with a new crowd, the new up and coming management world. But I, you know, I feel it's very important for me. Like when I was a rabbi in yeshiva, I I didn't just like feel like I'm here to teach you dudes. But a lot of you dudes have what to teach me. Like I, when I ran my events in Jerusalem, when I was running different programs in Jerusalem, I would let the guys run the run the programs because they did it much better than me. Because they they're they're cool with everyone. They're young. They're fresh. They've got much more energy. I don't have, they don't have to go home to a wife like I did. So they could be up all night and just like hustle and. I, I did some sell-out events, and the main key was because the young people in the game were, were were the sellers. You know, they were they were promoting the events and making it happen. So it, that's a very big secret to how I was successful when I was doing events. But like, the point is that you have to you have to like really work with, you know, like I said, my network, and my network is still mainstream somewhat. But at the same time, on a Jewish level, like if you look at my artists, they're all Jewish artists. Um, Nissan's the only one who's venturing outwards. Um, would the other artists like to go outwards? I'm sure they would, but it's a hard world. Like, there's big talent. Like, if you see online now, the amount of talent shows, like, um, you know, like uh, Americans Got Talent and all the other places got talent and X Factor and Four and this one and that one, there's so much high level talent. Like, the thing that some Jew boy who's trying to learn Torah and Dub and, and, and also be responsible and be a mensch is trying to keep up with the level of talent out in the world. It's a, it's, a, it's a struggle and there are a few people who are doing it. One of the things people ask me a lot, um, someone just did this Friday night, do you, one of my guests, do you have like good Jewish music? Because I'm not finding much, that was his question. So I, bit by bit, I'm sending him stuff, uh, more like less known Jewish acts um, who are very talented and in my opinion, are just as good as say Radiohead or any of the major major artists like they're just as talented but yeah to answer your question what's your name bro i'm jay jay so to answer your question like i, I think mainstream is needed I, one of the things that hasn't been a little bit like upsetting I, I said this to south african people recently i said like where are your where's your music where's your like online presence i don't see you dudes like doing enough stuff online like like there's this one guy reached out to me from uh, from from Joburg, and I'm like, never heard of your network. I've never heard of your branding. Like, why not? You know, why? Where are you? Why are you so quiet? Why are you so local? 
So my wife said to me, she was African, she said, South Africans like to just work in their own community, yeah? But we're in a global community right now, and, you know, there are some musicians, like one musician really stood out for me for South Africa, a guy called uh, Ruben Garber, who has an act called Derek, Derek, uh, what's the, what's the, Derek Achim, really nice songs, and he had Dutch, was about to just do more and more, and I was starting to help him and work with him. So he's someone who I really hold of as a musician, Ruben Garber. But uh, that's like literally it. You know, I, I don't really hear much. I, I mean, your chief rabbi is a famous rabbi. He's done a lot of good stuff. Uh, and I have spoken to him a few times online. But uh, there definitely needs to be more, in my opinion, like you guys need to get more mainstream and more global. I don't know, because you've got like, for example, Derek Achim, they had that like African beat. Because they, you know, they live in Africa. There's an African beat in their in their culture, you know, with the local Africans. And like, you know, why ignore that energy? It's a powerful energy. Bring it into your music. Do something with it. You know, there is the label that Nissim did that song Motherland Bounce. They have a studio in in Joburg, so that's probably influenced that song to have more of an African beat. So like, you guys need to. Get on the yeah, no, not just social media, just but use your, you know, don't feel limited to just being communal in Africa, like uh, Miss Africa, that you're, you know, only with your, what do you call them, brothers, how do you say in Africa? Um, Brendan. Brendan, nah, Brendan's already English. Or, I don't know, or, boys, gents, No, there's a br- br- Bruce, yeah. Oats. 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 yeah, all these words. Lance, Jens, Lebras, Bolton, what's that mean? No, it's mainly like Bruce, yeah. So you guys need to, like, you know, get that out beyond that. Yeah, because, you know, like, you've got talent, you've got soul, you've got, and don't just think that you're just limited to Africa. Like, you're sitting in Jerusalem right now, this is a central place in the world, and you're probably meeting all kinds of people, like, network, meet people, be friendly, you know, because it, it, it's helpful. And then you can be more, like our friend here, Jay asked, then you can have ability to be a bit more mainstream. Do, do I want to go more mainstream? Look, I'm open-minded, like, I'm, I'm trying to keep myself very universal, like, it's hard, because I'm, like, doing a class about United Souls, and the next minute I'm posting up a class about Kashrut, and this non-Jews, like, wait a minute, but then that means you can't eat any of my food, or drink anything, or, like, you know, like, and how's that, like, universal, how's that connecting? And then I have to get into all those questions, you know, like, you know, we are universal, and we are about unity, but the Jewish people have a specific mission, and it's not, God forbid, racist or exclusive, it's just, it's a very specific mission, like, for us to become the best we can be, we have to be completely proud of what we are, and, and be, understand that we have a specific mission, and that's how we can be universal to everybody else, that we're doing the best thing as our role, as our thing. So that's the most important thing that Nissim, even if he does go mainstream, that he keeps his Jewishness. Like, Matthew went mainstream, and you know, you know, we can pray for that dude, you know. And, uh, you know, I actually walked him through the shop one time many years ago, right nearby here, and I asked him for his name. That was the last thing we spoke about. And I said, bro, I'm going to pray for you. And I've been praying for him since then, because he needs the feelers, you know, he's out there. And he, at that time, he thought he could deal with it. And obviously, as time went on, you know, it's, it's a hard scene to be in as a Jew. Like like what do you mean? Like his old stuff, like Deba. With Deba, 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 De
Like Newsom's old stuff. Oh, D Black, yeah. D Black is how I met met him. That's how I met him, as D Black. I didn't know him as Nissim. I met him. Nissim Baruch was later on when he converted. I met him in 2011 as D Black on MTV, cool dude. Yeah, like he was cool, man. He was an up and coming act. Uh, D Black Damien. I have his passport on my phone, his old, his old passport name. Ellie, with Nissim, how do you go about it in a way where you can become more mainstream? but at the same time, you touched on it now. How do you go in a way where you become more mainstream, but at the same time, you still align with the Jewish Yeah, so that's it hasn't really been done. Yeah, because I mean, how, it hasn't really be been honest, done. So, this really so this is what Rav Orish, and this is what I'm going to be busy with after this, is we've had all kinds of guests in his, his class, and it's amazing how he speaks to them. Like, we've had a Mexican convert, an LA convert, we've had Nissim from Seattle convert, we've had. Are, are you laughing at what I'm saying or laughing at something else? No, 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 I mean, maybe it's funny, I don't know. And then, uh, and then I, I want to be funny. I mean, you know, it's a cool thing. I, I think humor is really important, you know. But anyway, like, so uh, we've had a guy, a rabbi, Rav Shlomo Katz, if you've heard of him, a musician, we've had all these people, I've organized these classes, Rav Orish. The point is that Rav Orish is a connection point for a lot of these people to, to maintain, to ground themselves in spirituality and stuff. But like, he, you know, like Nisim in specifics, was, was given that permission by his Rav, that's his death story, his Rabbonim is guiding him to go mainstream. And they're saying, because remember, Rav Orish is into Amuna. Amuna is universal principle that everyone in the world can have Amuna and Hashem. It doesn't have to be a Jew. It has to be anybody, everybody has to believe in one God. So he's helping everyone connect into Amuna. So music and mainstream shouldn't be a contradiction to that. But what's his, like, What's what's his commitment that he tells this and he has to do one? He always has to be, you know, keep keep in touch with his wife, make sure everything's according to Shalom Bias. So his wife's a holy person, so she he, she doesn't want him playing around, wasting his time. Now, he's never been a chiller, this, and that's one of the things we never like chilled so much. Whenever we were together, we were tackling like work, hero working, helping people, doing stuff. Never was like, oh yeah, like we're on the road, let's just you know, let's go get you know some, you know what I mean, or like you know, it was never that kind of, it never even, it was more like let's go find a mikveh and let's go like, <laughs> like while we're not doing anything, let's just do some espoda, let's talk to God and like just connect and clean and phone our wives and be like loyal, responsible people and like connect with the people we're with and give them some encouragement. Like, it was always much more an elevated experience than what we were doing. And we're going to come to the question, yeah. So uh, just to end off, like the most important thing Nissan does is his photos. Like he talks to God every day, an hour a day, and he's he's completely like committed to that. And I've seen him on the road. But I remember Purim that week when we flew back. It was Purim, and that week we flew three times, third way back in the Atlantic. And his wife had, just had a baby, and we're flying back just in time for the Brits. Like he hadn't been there the whole time for like his like about two weeks he hadn't been in, in Israel. We even went to Israel and we didn't even see his wife, even though she just had a baby. We went to Renana, we did a gig, got back on the plane after just getting off the plane three hours before. So it was like crazy kind of schedule. And like miss him the whole time on the way back after such a week when I was like, you know, just completely, I don't know what the word is, like bombing out. I don't know, there's a word for it. Like, yeah. you're like half there, like, you know, with whatever's on the crappy screen in front of me and trying to learn a bit of Duff Yomi. He's sitting there doing six hours photos, yeah? 
And I'm just like, whoa. So that was Purim. So he, he's serious about his connection to Hashem, and that's going to be his key throughout his career, and that's going to be... Plus, he's got good boys around him. Like, I consider myself a good boy of his, and there's a bunch of other of us, and we, like, you know, we, we, we'll call him out, we'll talk, we'll discuss, me and him have late-night chats about stuff, you know, about family and, like, Yiddishkeit and stuff. So, you know, we, we keep each other grounded, you know, like, we've always been that kind of relationship, so it helps. But, um, it's amazing that you have those type of people in the line of work that you do as well. So like yeah. Those people that you see every day and work with are also those same people that are there holding you down. And yeah, we're all, we're all trying to keep each other in a spiritual place. Like even Alex, if I speak to Alex Flair, he's, he's like a learned guy. Like he's, to speak to us. Yeah, he's not, he's not messing around. Like he's learning. And like he's becoming a rabbi over the dash down the road here. He has a collar that he runs. And, you know, he's as musical and talented as he is. He's focused on, you know, Yiddishkeit, and that, that's something which in this generation you'd be, you'd be inspired to know how many Gerim and how many Balit Shuva and how many people are now, like, coming closer to Hashem and hopefully bringing the music industry closer to Hashem, like Yishai Rebo or, you know, in, in Eretz Israel and uh, Abiyata Bona. There's a long list of Israeli musicians, Yom Tamazel, who are very highly talented and just as good as non-Jewish musicians or mainstream musicians, and they're able to be totally focused on Hashem and they're amazing people and, you know, I have full respect for them. So what's your question, brother? Um, I was going to ask if you listen yeah. that, that with Jewish, like, artists there, like Drake uh, or whatever or Drake. yeah so Drake all these people really hard to get hold of like when I speak to my father about how the business works in in honesty in order to unless you're like blessed I happen to have like my dad had like a famous musician's email just happened to be that way but generally it doesn't always work the person you ask has such close contact you usually have to go through an agent or you know their booking agent or their management or some sort of marketing team to get through to person and when you're trying to get through them they're not they're not interested in in Jewish connection they're interested in business you know so if you can come up with a business reason but if you're just coming up because you want to try help him spiritually or whatever, it's, it's probably going to be blocked yeah, by most of the people around him, and it would probably need like a miracle. And remember, a person once said to me, and I think he's right, he's a holy rabbi here and once came, was learning in Israel, he's not here anymore, but he, he once said to me that it's a merit for them to know you. People, people get it the wrong way around. You know, like when, when Zusha started getting more big, and you know Zusha, so they're, they're friends of mine, and they were like starting to connect with Matthew. I was like, don't think it's a merit for you to connect to Marcel because he's bigger in the industry and he's been around and he's talented. He is, all those things. But he's lucky to know you guys because I know you guys. You guys are holy. Shlomo is a holy dude. Like He's just focusing on God. So you, you're actually, he's lucky to know you because you're much more focused in on, on the truth and values and not getting lost amongst who knows what. And like he's lucky to know you guys. So don't always, it becomes a little bit topsy-turvy how you view the world. So it's not like, oh, he's the most connected dude. No, it's he's the most valued and most principled and focused on, on truth and not just like losing himself in all the BS that goes on the business. I left that business for a reason, because it's BS, most of it, yeah? And I, I didn't feel happy from it, you know? So I, I now work with it, but only in a way that's like, is truthful and honest and straight and gives me a peace of mind and now with corona the business is on its head like literally 
for whatever was, all these massive events and all these massive festivals. And, you know, there was a bunch of artists trying to get me to go into the festivals. So I started speaking to Live Nation and other big organizations, big production companies. I started, like, the last, say, year, I started to start emailing these people and I have all their contacts with my family. And I was, like, trying to look into the mainstream festival scene and everything. And I was literally just starting that. And then this corona thing kicked in and was like, Hmm, I think Hashem's trying to tell me something, don't you? You know, like, yeah. maybe I'm not meant to go into the festival scene right now. You know, maybe not. Maybe all these nice Jewish boys that I work with would be better for them not to be there. You know, in Glastonbury, who knows doing what, you know, or like Burning Man or who knows what, you know. Tomorrow World, even worse, you know, whatever. Whatever, or Tomorrowland, whatever it is. Whatever's worse, yeah. You know, you know, maybe it's better that these DJs and these people I know don't end up in such scenarios. And maybe the corona thing's actually changing a little bit the flow, that we can still be in our own Dalai Lamas, we can sit in Jerusalem and still influence the world through music, through Zoom events, through who knows what is going to be next in technology, virtual events, who knows how we're going to do it. You know, there's a lot of now development now online of alternative ways of making events and getting things set up. You know, like uh, I'm, I'm in a Zoom chat uh, every every few days with a bunch of people in the technological world, you know, in the industry, and I discuss with stuff with those guys, and you see that there's there's so much potential with like you know automated like you know stuff with like backgrounds, amazing like visual stuff. I'd like to get you know my family have a merchandise company. I'd like to get them linked up with like some amazing app. Like, every time you do a Zoom event, you can somehow the event app and get merchandise while you're watching the event. There's so much potential with this Corona thing to switch it up and make it a more online experience, and then you don't have to leave your holy environment. You know, you can stay there and just do your thing. I like I've got a studio. I'm going to be there in another hour. Beautiful, amazing studio with amazing green screen. We've got live Zoom, live Facebook, live YouTube. We got everything going on there. What do we need to travel? It's just uh, it's five minutes from my house. It's just up the road. Like I'm gonna, you're gonna drop me back. I'm just gonna walk up the road with my PC, press live on the YouTube, and everything goes live. And it's amazing, you know, edited and yeah, everything's green. The whole room's green, and it's brand new. It's all nicely done, and the equipment's all brand new. Great camera work, and great studio. It's all done through PCs now. Everything's you know through the computers and. And it's amazing. You can make effects. You can like do any, any kind of background you want. Have any kind of writing come. You can even have links fly up. You can do all kinds of stuff. So we're, this is like the next level with the music industry. How to work for that? You know, that's what we're doing. I've got a bit of a less music question. Yeah, please. When you lived in London. Yeah. Which soccer team did you support? Spurs. Did you yeah. know a few guys? All the time. You had army. So, yeah. I, used to, <laughs> no, I used to go, I used to, I mean, it was on a Saturday, but I didn't know about Shabbos and Shabbat. So, I used to go and sit, you know, like in the VIP boxes because my family were hookups. But at the same time, I also used to go and specifically go with the real, like, I don't want to say this word, but we, it's a written, no, I shouldn't say. Um, we call what we call non Jewish guys, like, more like. Oh, yours. Yeah, yeah, you know, we used to call them like Gentiles, that's a better word, Gentiles, pleasant people, so we used to go and like be with those guys and we'd get like a bunch of pints in before the game with the boys in the bar and then we'd go into the standing part and they'd throw chairs and, and it, was, it, was, it was like proper fun and that was the best, they were the best games, not the sitting in the, the VIP box with the manager who owns, you know, some Jew boy who owns the club or whatever, it was much more fun being with the local you know, scum and like, you know, calling out everyone, calling out the other team bunch of scum and like, you know, especially when we played Arsenal and beat them. It was like, so that was like, 
that was a highlight for me, those kind of games. And I was actually at the last ever standing, standing, um, of, yeah, in Park Lane, White Hart, but White Lane, White Hart Lane, the first, last, sorry, the last standing um, game ever. But they, after that, it was only seating. So I was at that last standing one ever in the history of Tottenham. I've, uh, yeah. So question about yeah. Judaism. When, where did it turn for you when you, after you came to Israel, you said every time you were here, you felt like a flow, but like, when did you make that conscious decision where, like, I'm leaving this life in London, the clubbing, the girls, the whatever you had going on, to come to the Meshiva in Israel? So I'd gone off girls in, and that was an important development, honestly, huh. in university, just around university time. Um, and it wasn't because I was gay or anything like that. <laughs> it was, I'd, I'd gone off, I'd basically, I'd probably done enough up until 16, 17, and I was just like, like I just felt I had a very intense relationship. Funny enough, I watched the movie the other day, and that girl was in the movie, and I was, <laughs> and I was sitting there, and I said to my wife, I said she's quite pretty, isn't she? And my wife's like looking at me, because my wife knew her, hated her, and and then I I let the name slip, and I was in such trouble. And she's like, she hates that name, she hates that girl, even all those years, you know, like like 23 years. But anyway. So, but it's funny, so that girl, like, in a way, at that time, broke my heart. And, because, it was a, I don't want to get into the story, but it's a good story for another time, for another boys' night. But, um, and that sort of made me realise that there's something more going on with this guys and girls thing. This isn't just fun and games. Like, there's actual feeling here, a deep pain if it doesn't work out, that I can't explain, like, the deepest kind of pain. And I'm like, why would I want to just go around like and just getting with these girls and falling so I got into this whole mindset I'm not being with you unless we're gonna get married that's my mindset completely secular dude and people were like girls were like I was like you know I used to be modeling a little bit I was like a top catch I'm not saying I don't look like it now but back then yeah yeah back then so so and my you know the, 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 the no the girls were like literally and I was like no no get out of my room um if you want to I want to get married I mean I know I'm in university and the guys do what they do but I didn't do nothing like I whole it was a miracle and I, once I stepped away from women in that way and I I didn't you know masturbate still sees I'm being straight with you guys I once I control myself in that way my whole life flipped like I started I stopped watching TV for a few years around around that time also probably connected and there was no real internet like YouTube or whatever didn't have that there was a bit like stuff coming in on PCs but it was crap so I wasn't like watching any of that stuff and I was I was like cleaning myself out from that whole lifestyle as a gradual process nothing to do with rabbis no one brainwashing me it was just like a process of like purification and my earrings my ears got all infected and the ears they I had a bunch of them they all just popped out literally before you before that I had none already and I had this crazy experience all these kind of things one thing after another it was like God was taking me over and just purify my system so that I could be a vessel so once I came to Israel and I wasn't spilling seed and I wasn't with women and I was like open spirituality writing poetry and music now I met Torah and I started to see how all the things I'm thinking about and looking at actually fit into a system you know this system is actually i'm already ready for this like this is what i want and now i can i don't have to just base it on my own ideas and like sort of get it right not get it right now i can know it's 100 percent. this is from god this is like masoira this is like a tradition this is all the way back to arsino this is revelation this is not just me just you know having this personal experience this is a this is a global mission for everybody so then i was like whoa so that really like like blew my mind that whole process and 
And not only that, I had my wife was there after a year or so of being in yeshiva, so I knew like I didn't have to go running around, you know, in that story. And was your wife she really was, just through and through boot? She it says in Rabbi Nachman, the more you you connect to Hashem, the more your soulmate would connect to Hashem. So I, the more I felt like I was going on that journey, it was almost like identical. Everything I was doing, she was doing. She went to seminary, and I wasn't influencing her, which is like a gradual thing. So we were like on the same road even before we got married. And that's the truth, you should know. All of you guys, however much you protect yourself and work on yourself and grow, that's how much your girl right now, whoever she is, is growing. So if you guys decide, you know what? Effort. I'm going to Tel Aviv and I'm getting late tonight, I don't care. And that's probably what your soulmate to be doing that night also. So you're you're just damaged getting damaged goods. I'm not joking. I'm I'm I married my girl, like she was pure and she'd never done anything, even though she used to hang around a club called Strawberry Moon and like, you know, who knows what. She never did nothing. Yeah. She did nothing. And like, because she, Hashem protected her. Not that I was such a holy saint, but obviously Hashem, I'm a Kohen, so I needed to marry someone who hadn't been with a non Jewish person. And that's why Kohenim can't just marry Balak Shuva, like, with their background being whatever. So thankfully, my wife is pure. And so Hashem, like, you know, was very obvious to me. A lot of things are very obvious. So when God's talking to you so clearly, it's not like this is my. Hard to ignore it. Yeah, it's like so obvious. There was so much going on. And my family opposed it big time. It was hard. Because they were like, we're giving you the best life. You know, why Why would you reject this? You know? Like, Has your family gone like more religious or they're still no, the no. when you No, they're not religious. No. They're just yours, so like your siblings or my, my family, like my brother's a little bit more traditional because he married a more traditional woman, but that's his second marriage. But, you know, like they're not they're not religious. And, you know, it, but I've worked out ways like how to one, I've balanced out a lot because I was very intense religious at a certain time period. Like I was very close with a lot of holy, holy people and I was learning and davening and wasn't online. And it was a very special time in my life for about 10 years, let's say. And I was still hanging out with boys and doing stuff, but I was like, I was... Like, Connecting as a person. Did yeah. you feel like you're being influenced in a way that you didn't mind at the time, but now in retrospect, looking back at it, it wasn't really like who you were, or was it dead on who you were? That? I think that that's always going to be a balance. Like you have to constantly go through different time periods, and you have to allow yourself a little bit to open your mind up to people who are influential and to learn from them. But you have to always keep that balance and not losing yourself. So it's like. You need to have mentors, you need to have rabbis, you need to have people in your life who can guide you and spiritualize you a little bit. But at the same time, you need to balance it out with, with, uh, with always being in more in touch with yourself, knowing what your thing is, knowing what you need to keep happy, like you need to do fun things, you need to like, you know, you need to be, keep up sports. And, you know, the good, the good mentors in my life, they encourage me to carry on doing, being myself. The less healthy mentors, better, I made my own decisions to distance from them, you know. Also, Meir didn't want me to play music, funny enough. And I was like, I don't care what you say. I used to make kumzits every week there. So I got the rabbi who told me not to play music to also come play music there. So it was good for him also. I was like, I was like not the, I'm not the kind of guy you can push around so easily. So even, even though I have full respect for Rabbonim, at the same time, I, was, I think I influenced them also in a good way. And because uh, I felt like they were too like boxed up, you know, they needed some opening up also, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they were telling me, I don't know the song. Then, uh, uh, I'm like a bit old school now with music, that's why. No one actually knows it on the guitar. Okay. Right now, we'll play a song like this, it's going to help us get ready for Elul. You know, it's a, it's a bit of an older song, but like maybe you guys know, like this. 
the Pasuk from Elo, from the Dovin Hashemuri, this Shabbos is Shas Ravach from Elo, Pasha's Re'eh, the one the Brach and all the Klala, the one the good things. So we should sing together. I don't know, do you know this song? Acha Sha'alti? Acha Sha'alti. In that song it says, Achas was the only thing I asked for, just to be in the house of Hashem. So all the righteous people write, what does it mean to be in the house of Hashem? So the answer is, no matter what I do in life, should be in the house of Hashem. Even if I'm doing business, even if I'm chilling outside on a Mepesa in Jerusalem playing music, I'm always in the house of Hashem. That's the one thing I request from God. I should always be close to you and bring that feeling of the house of Hashem wherever I do. So that's the kind of like spiritualization that we should bring into the music business, should bring into everything. I pray for this. It's a big thing. Anyway, another song. Um, And please go by you guys. How old are you generally? 18 or oh, so You're young, you got years, you know. But like I said, this is the prep time now. Have it. It's a good thought to have. What you do now affects what your your girl to be. <laughs> it's a whole different different way, different paradigm now. Now you know that truth. Yeah. Yeah, do you like a, do you like a favorite? A favorite? Oh, I love the Latino, I'll be honest. 
Yeah. Maybe we can sing without the guitar. I'm like not really yeah. such a guitarist, really, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 